Hear now the word of the Lord. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them in the treasury, since it is blood money. So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, our helper, by your Holy Spirit, open our minds, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may be led into your truth and taught your will through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Um, there's about seven people here, maybe five. It's five to seven. <laughs> there's about seven people here, and the uh, only person here that's not part of uh, recording this is my wife who's here for moral support. And so this sanctuary is empty, it's a little weird to be here, but in heart I am with you and hopefully in heart you are with me and we are listening to the word together. Someone did ask, um, you know, do we always stay on whatever is being preached? Do we never like go to another topic, for, for instance, if, if something were to happen? And I have found that as we continue to preach the word, no matter what season that we are in, God has shown us that every piece of scripture, like even when we were moving buildings, we were in Exodus. And we didn't know that before we went to Exodus. Um, and so every piece of scripture is helpful for all seasons. And especially in this current season, even this passage speaks to us and teaches us about who God is, what his will is for us, and how we ought to obey. And I think it's extremely pertinent uh, for this day, for this season, for this time as well. So I'll stay with the passages and you know, I'll continue to preach on what we've been planning on unless something changes. But it doesn't seem like we've ever needed to change. So I praise God for that, that through any season that we can preach the word and preach um, just being diligent in, in you know, preaching what the Bible says and seeing how that is actually very pertinent for us in our lives. And so this morning, we're gonna go over the life of Judas and what that has to do with faith over fear. It's pretty cool, you might see faith over fear right here. I don't see anything, but um, we're, we're trying our best to get uh, this online streaming ready for you and to stream well. I heard there were some bumps on the road even this morning. So it's like, you know, how much do we output? And when there's music, it's a little lag. 
or something to that effect. And when someone comes up to speak, it's a little low. So we're, we're still fixing it, we're still getting it. And this is our pretty much our first week streaming. So I thank you for that patience. Uh, but you know, I think we're gonna get it soon. But this morning, we're gonna go over the life of Judas and what that has to do with faith over fear. So who was Judas Iscariot? He's mentioned over 40 times in the New Testament, but with every mention of Judas, his case of betrayal always accompanies his name. He is a colossal, horrifying traitor, as if the noun traitor needed any other adjectives. He is the most vile, wicked man the Bible ever talks about. And every time the disciples were listed and mentioned, he would be mentioned last. And with every last mention, we are reminded that he would betray our Lord. This is his brand, and this is his identity. His name is now synonymous with betrayal, and it is a byword for the most wicked of traitors. There isn't much that we know outside of him being a disciple and his betrayal of our Lord, and I think that's on purpose. There's no mention of how he was called to be a disciple, only that he was called by the Lord. You know, Judas was a common name, and it originates from Judah. You would add the S in Greek to make it a male name, like Petros from Petra. Judah is first mentioned when Leah has a fourth son, and she names him Judah. Literally in the Hebrew, it's Yehuda, And it meant this time, I will praise the Lord. Judah sounded like the word praise, yada, which meant to throw up your hands in praise. It's an exclamatory praise. But Judas Iscariot is nothing like his namesake. In fact, he was definitely a paradox, the opposite of what his name meant. No one would name their kid Judas, let alone you wouldn't name your dog Judas. I found out in Germany, you can't name your kid Judas because you're not allowed to give your child any negative or insulting name. In Switzerland, they outright banned the name Judas. Judas didn't praise God, but he was in fact cursed. Jesus would go on to say of Judas that it would have been better if he had not been born because he wasn't led by God, but rather he was led by Satan. But what else do we know about Judas Iscariot? He was Judas Iscariot. There were no last names back in the day. Iscariot was a tag added to Judas's name to distinguish him from the other disciples. Because in the 12 disciples, there was another Judas, the son of James a.k.a. in Matthew, named Thaddeus, also numbered among the 12. So Iscariot is from Ish, which meant man, and Cariot, which is a town, Kerioth. Kerioth was a town 10 miles south of Hebron, which was south of Jerusalem. See, this is interesting because all the rest, all the other 11 disciples were from Galilee, which is really north. But Judas was not. All the rest of the disciples had this 
thick accent that would give them away, but Judas did not. We don't know exactly why Judas followed Jesus except for the fact that Jesus knew that he would betray him and that's why he chose Judas. It was written in the scriptures. In Psalm 41.9 it says this, even my close friend in whom I trusted who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. In Psalm 55, verse 12 to 14, says, For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house, We walked in the throng. Jesus says of Judas also in John chapter 17 verse 12, While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now, some of you may have this inevitable question. If Judas was preordained to betray Jesus, how can God hold him responsible for his actions? Because that's what the scriptures teach us. How can God hold him responsible? Why does God do that? And the short answer I have to that is, I don't know. But I do know this. Number one God is sovereign over everything. There is nothing that escapes his purview or control. This virus, any kind of epidemic, pandemic, sickness, disease, any death, even betrayal, God is sovereign over everything. There is nothing that escapes his control. That's number one. And number two, man is responsible for his actions. When we sin, we are punished. We see the effects of sin even now ravaging society and the world today. But I also want to add number three. One day after seeing all that transpires, we will either throw our hands up in praise or curse God like Judas We know this about Judas now, but at the time, no one knew except Jesus. Judas was a phenomenal hypocrite. We in the modern church almost pride ourselves into thinking we can pick out who's a hypocrite or not. No, uh, but no one had any idea about Judas. I mean, how bad Could he have been compared to a zealot, someone who had actual blood on their hands, or even a tax collector who stole from their own people? And we know that from John, that they elected him treasurer to handle the money because they trusted him more than anyone else. 
When Jesus said in the Last Supper that one of the disciples would betray him, no one said, is it Judas? They asked, is it I? Because they would suspect themselves over Judas. But we know that while Jesus chose Judas to fulfill God's plan, Judas chose Jesus for personal prosperity. In John chapter 12, we are told that he helped himself to the money bag whenever he wanted. And the one time, one time we hear him recorded speaking up was when Mary would break the bottle of ointment worth over 300 denarii, asking, why was this bottle not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He just couldn't help himself then. And the other time was when all the disciples asked Jesus if they would betray him. Judas asks Jesus, Rabbi, is it I? Judas was a phenomenal hypocrite. And yet, Jesus offered Judas every opportunity to repent and to turn away from this despicable deed. In John, when the disciples ask Jesus, who will betray him? Jesus takes a morsel of bread and gives it to Judas. Morsel of bread is translated from somion, which is a piece of bread that you would give an honored guest. None of the disciples thought anything of it because Judas on the outside looked fantastic. But Jesus honored Judas even to the very last moment because he cared for Judas. Every lesson, every parable, and even when Jesus had warned them in John chapter 6, one of you is a devil, he did not turn. He never listened, and he never applied the teaching that Jesus gave. And even when Jesus would give him the morsel of bread, the somion, Judas never responded. So in the scripture passage today, we see that after Jesus turns to Jesus, turns in Jesus, he finds out in verse 3 that Jesus is condemned to die. He goes to return the pieces of silver and says this, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood, and guilt overwhelms him. Possibly, possibly he remembered all the good that Jesus had done for him and now only for him to reciprocate that with evil. But he is filled with remorse. And this is an important note for us to remember. Innocent blood is still not an acknowledgement of Jesus as Lord. By saying innocent blood he still is not acknowledging Jesus as Lord. Remorse is not the same as repentance. Remorse is not the same as repentance. When you repent, you lay down your sin and then turn to Christ, acknowledging him as your Lord and Savior. And the Sanhedrin respond to Jesus by saying, what is that to us? See to it yourself, which means that's your, your responsibility, not ours, which is not true. It, it is theirs too. But Judas is now completely and totally 
isolated, lonely, and alone. How did he get here? Why did he end up in this place? He wanted prosperity for himself. All he wanted was to be prosperous. Is that so wrong? And when Jesus didn't meet his need or his definition of prosperity, he took matters into his own hands. At first, you may be enamored by what Christ can do, healings, prayers answered, even mighty works. But as time progresses, your vision is devastated because you find out your will is not God's will. My will be done is not happening. And not only that, it gets worse and worse and worse. So what leads to fear and despair? My will be done. Judas traded the infinite for the material. Judas sold his soul to hell itself. Your will is finite. Your will is material. And when you realize that the finite and material will pass away, you will also inevitably end up in ultimate fear and despair. Because no one, no one thinks they're like Jesus. In fact, no one thinks they're anything like Judas. We don't name our kids Judas, but we are not off the hook. Some might say, I don't want a lot. All I want is for my family to be healthy and safe. Judas was healthy and safe. All I want is to have enough so that I can make a residual income. By the way, I hate those two words, but all I want is enough to, so that I can make a residual income. Judas didn't want much, perhaps just 30 pieces of silver. But I want to say this, by itself, these are not bad things. These are not bad things. These are actually good things. But they are incredibly evil things when you take the ultimate priority out of your life and then you put those things instead as your ultimate priority. When Jesus is Lord, is absent from your life. Health, money, stability, and these things become absolute. And these things start to fade and they will fade you will be utterly alone and in despair. Judas, full of remorse and guilt, would end his life fulfilling the prophecy of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 19, Jeremiah takes a flask and he shatters it into pieces and that's unable to be mended. In Acts, Peter tells us that his body fell headlong and his innards gushed out, presumably after his body had rotted and fell to the ground after he hung himself, in a sense, shattering him. When material and temporal things take up all your mind and all your efforts, all you can think about, and this is the main priority of your life, money, power, the word we use now is called equality or whatever we want to use it, but if that's all you think about is power or attractiveness and they fade, 
And yes, it could even be the health of your family and the stability of your finances. This is why Jesus taught in hyperbole. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I love my family. I want them to be healthy. And as my love for my family grows, I even want that more. But we must realize this. True love flows from love from God. That's why the first of the Ten Commandments is to serve the Lord your God only. No other gods, no other ultimate priority, no other idols must take place in your heart, in the throne of your heart than God. True love flows from love for God. We are commanded to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And so when other things take priority, the ultimate priority in your life, and then when you start seeing other things as they take ultimate priority in your life and they start to fade, you become shaken. And you will be overcome by fear. It's only natural. So God calls you to a higher understanding and a deeper experience of love. Instead of fear, we are called to have faith. Judas never had faith in Jesus. Instead of fear, we are called to have faith. And so my ultimate priority, especially for the people that I love, is to lead them to Christ through my actions, and especially through my words. Do the people around you know this? Do the people you love know this? Because faith over fear means trust over trial. Don't be tempted by the things that fade even if you're offered half the kingdoms of the world, trust in God. Even when you're not sure it'll work out in the short term, trust in God. You know, trust over a trial leads to a life marked by worship over worry. When the world has a million things to worry about, God's people are called to worship our Heavenly Father. And this is the mark of a true church. This is what I pray would be the mark of CGS. As we worship together in our homes, really want you to think, meditate deeply on what is good what is worthy, what is right, 
and give honor to God by obeying him and by trusting him. I'm going to take this time to pray and close. I'm also going to pray and give you the benediction. But I want you to look at the bulletin and continue on worshiping in your homes. I know that some of you are back from college and you're live streaming now with us and that some of you have already organized meeting together virtually to pray and discuss, especially in the discussion questions, and I encourage that. If you're alone listening to this, then I want you to just text somebody and get online. If you don't know who to text, then text me. I'll be home in a few minutes, and then we can do this together as well, or text any one of our elders or any one of our deacons, and I'm sure they won't mind and they'd be happy to virtually connect with you so that you can continue on with worship. But let's remember this. Faith over fear. Trust over trial. Worship over worry. I pray this would be our mark. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for this time. I thank you that you have given us in your word warnings and admonitions, but also incredible grace and mercy. Lord, we don't see these two things as separate now. We see these two things as just your mercy for us. And we thank you for your incredible mercy that you've shown to us through your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that we would be a people marked by true love, love for God and love for our neighbor. Oh God, help us to do this well in our homes now, as we study your scriptures, as we pray. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen.